God is good. What an amazing thought that the same voice that created the heavens and the earth is speaking over us, speaking over you right now this morning. What an amazing thought. What would his voice be saying? What could it be saying? Like, think of the possibilities. It's the first Sunday we're together for the year, and his voice is going out over our life. I pray that you grab hold of something this morning that he said, not just through my voice, but through his written scriptures this morning. We're about to come around the Word, see what he's got to say for us. Keep your heart open to him, amen? And see what happens, amen. You can take your seat. Well, just as Cassia said, just want to welcome you this morning. Welcome half of Canberra here today. You're very welcome in this place. I feel sorry for all the empty churches in Canberra this morning, but they'll get by. How you doing? First Sunday of the year, and you're here. Congratulations. I want to, uh, to kickstart the year off well. I've been watching lots of cricket. And uh, one thing I've learned about this big bash thing, you know, I'm new to this. We've just moved house. Our previous house had no TV reception. And so we tried when we moved into that house to see how long we could go without television. It was a little addiction of mine, so I thought I need to, you know, push myself here. And we went for six years without TV. And we've moved house. And I think the most excited thing about the house for me is we have a TV aerial that works and I'm watching some cricket who I know none of the players. Anyway, it's so, it's so cool that in these last six years they've come up with this big bash thing where you've only got 20 overs and, and it's a non-stop entertainment, it's only a three-hour game. But one thing I've learned is that if you don't start your innings well, there's not a lot of time to make it up. And uh, especially if a, a team's gone first and they've set a high target, you don't have time as the second team to, you know, get your eye in. You haven't got time to make yourself comfortable out there in the crease. You've got to hit the ground running. And sometimes a, a new batsman will come to the crease and, they, and they've really only got, you know, they've got to get 10 runs off four balls and they don't have time to block it out a couple and get used to it. They've got to hit the ground running. I want to hit the ground running in 2018. Anyone with me? And so I'm not going to give you time to think this morning. I just want you to take in and you can listen to this message again online uh, and digest a little or scribble some notes, do whatever it is you do. But don't miss what God is doing on this very first Sunday over your life. Is that all right? Okay, you can turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. I am so addicted to the book of Proverbs at the moment, right? It's, it's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom given through Solomon, the smartest man ever. It's keys and tips about how to live well with knowledge and wisdom. And I figure we need to start the year with a little bit of wisdom in our life. So I've decided for the next little while until you start falling asleep, but maybe the next month or two, we're going to look through the book of Proverbs and take little bits out of it that are really going to affect our life for 2018. Sound good? You, you, need, you need some wisdom. I'm looking out in this crowd this morning. You need some wisdom this morning. And uh, so I just pray that you be over to it. Let's hope I got some. 
Now, the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon, he loves wisdom so much. He was the one that God said, I'll grant you anything. And he said, I'll have wisdom. And God said, you've done well to ask for wisdom. That was the right response. Because if you get wisdom flowing in your life, I mean, your life will be well. Okay? And so that's, that's the, the background of this book. So he's, he's just put all this stuff down. But I love how Solomon talks about wisdom. He talks about wisdom like a woman, like he, he loves her. He refers to wisdom as a her, and he's, he's really drawn by her. And, and, and you read the first few chapters of Proverbs, and I encourage you to maybe go on this Proverbs journey with me over the next couple of months and, and, just, and see how he's fallen in love. He's got, a, he's got a taste of wisdom. He's fallen in love with it, and, and he wants more of it in his life. I'll read you a few things out of chapter 4, but I know it's school holidays, so I'll try and get through it quick. I'll, I'll, I'll skip through. It starts with this. My children, listen to your father when he corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. So this is him as the father speaking to us as his children, those who would listen. Verse 5, it says, get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her. She will guard you. Getting wisdom is the smartest thing you can do, or the wisest thing that you can do. Verse 8, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her. She will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. Verse 10, my children, listen to me and do as I say. Who knows there's a difference between listening and doing? Oh, well, good. I won't go into that. Listen to me and do what I say. Put it into practice and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. Verse 12, and this is your scriptures for 2018. When you walk, you will not be held back. Amen? When you run, you won't stumble. Is that exciting, the thought of your year in front of you, these words? Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are key to your life. And he goes on and on. He talks about how important wisdom is. We're going to skip down to verse 20. Okay, here we go. He says, my, my child, pay attention to what I say again. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Okay, that's his introduction. He's only got five more verses left in this chapter, and he hits us with five words of wisdom. Number one, guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. Point one, guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. Number two, avoid perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Come on, this is the Father's wisdom to us this year. Number three, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. That's good advice. Number four, 
Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on a safe path. And number five, don't get sidetracked. There are five keys full of wisdom for your life in 2018. I'm assuming you're all going to get the uh, recording because no one's written them down. Oh, there's a few people. Good. This is, this is your father speaking, not me. This is God speaking through Solomon. We need to not just listen, but do these things. I want to encourage you to do that after this message this week. Above all else, guard your heart. This is most important. Now, I've only got a short time this morning, so I'm only going to dwell on this number one thing. It is most important to guard your heart. Verse 23, for it, will, it determines the course of your life. Now, if you've been around in church for a few years, you may not have be familiar with this version. The version you may be more familiar with is guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life. A few of you have heard that one. This is where I'm going to hang out this morning for a little bit. It is the wellspring of life. It is a spring. It is a reservoir. Your heart. See, we, we get this message if we've heard this time and time again. We've read this before. Guard your heart. And we, become, we, we think it should be driven by fear that we need to protect. We need to protect what God has placed inside. But this more traditional description here of it being a wellspring of life creates more the picture of, well, it's not just a little bit of something that we carry in our life that we need to protect, but our heart is like this reservoir of stuff that should be springing up and overflowing. Our heart should be full. Guard your heart because it should be full and overflowing. That's where I want to go this morning with my thoughts. So, so come with me. Luke chapter, four verse, uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Have you heard that before? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth Speaks Well, that was point two in, in Proverbs. It was get your heart, guard your heart. Number two was avoid per, perverse talk. Well, well, if a heart is right, it leads us in to number two. So I'm, we're going to stay on number one this morning for a bit longer. You, you've heard the, the term and, and the phrasing and the descriptions of your mind being a battlefield. Well, if your mind is the battlefield, your heart is the treasury, It's the treasure. Your mind is continually at battle. Absolutely. I mean, Paul, I mean, he had to take control of his mind because it's, it's a battlefield. But we're fighting over what is in our heart. You hear me this morning? I want to read you a, a, a little passage out of this book I'm reading. It's called Waking the Dead, John Eldridge. You heard of this book? It's a fantastic book. And uh, I want to read you a little bit about this thought of your heart being a, a treasury. He goes on and talks about it being the treasure of the kingdom, a man's hearts. 
think I'm, oh, that's the wrong page. I don't have time for wrong pages. School holidays. Here we go. This, this little passage is, is titled, Treating Your Heart for the Treasure It Is. And he, he, uh, he refers here to Proverbs chapter 4 again. Above all else, guard your heart. We usually hear this with a sense of keep an eye on that heart of yours. In the way you would warn a deputy watching over some dangerous outlaw or a bad dog of the neighborhood who's let out. Don't let him out of your sight. You know, it's a warning. Having so long believed that our hearts are evil, we assume the warning is to keep us out of trouble. So we lock up our hearts and we throw away the key and then try to get on with our living. But that isn't the spirit of the command at all. It doesn't say guard your heart because it's criminal. It says guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Because it is a treasure. Because everything else in your life depends on it. How kind of God to give us this warning like someone's entrusting to a friend something precious to him with the words, be careful with this. It means a lot to me. Two thousand and eighteen, I am challenged in my life to prioritize my heart. I want to put that challenge out to you this morning. This could be for you too. I mean, two thousand and seventeen, for me personally, I mean, it was a a full on year. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I mean, my life was already full, and partway through the year, we decided to own or build a house with all our leftover space in our life. And, and, I, and you know, and lots of things in my world got neglected as a result. You know, people say, would you do that again? Well, I don't know if I would do it so quickly right now. I mean, some areas in my family life, were, you know, missed out because of, you know, my investment into, you know, emotional investment into something. And, and many things in our church I missed out. Yeah, no, we'll go to church to build. But I'm challenged at the end of 2017, I've got to change something in my life because I can't keep up at this rate. I'm neglecting my heart because it is should be a reservoir of goodness that overflows. Yet the only thing out of my life that was overflowing was grumpiness, attitude, like, like not good stuff. My treasury had become empty. I had not been supplying into my treasury. You hear me this morning? And 2018 is a wake-up call for me to say, hey, you've got to look after yourself. You are no good for anybody if you do not look after yourself. Now, filling your heart does not mean adding more to your busy life. Let me just put that out there. Because some of us are already on the back foot. I mean, my life is so busy, I don't want to add any more in here. But no, no, it's exactly what Esther was talking about on Friday night, about God coming and bringing life and life to the full wasn't like a full life of stuff. 
It was the fullness of life in our innermost being, in our heart, that would overflow. This is the full life Christ brings to us. Amen. Certain things fill our heart, but some things drain us. 2018, let's focus on our treasure. Let's build the goodness in our heart. Amen? Sound good? I want to finish with this illustration. Now, don't get too excited. It's a long illustration. Matthew chapter 14. You can turn your Bibles there. I read this this week because I was curious to see how Jesus protected, looked after the treasury of his heart. Are you interested? Matthew chapter 14 starts with the death of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist's death, let me, let me give you the, the background here. So he's put in prison because he said to the king, King Herod, who wanted to marry King Herod Dice or something, some other female version of Herod, who was his brother's wife. Herodias, Herodias, sounds good. Herod wanted to marry Herodias, who was his brother's wife, his, his in-law. John the Baptist came and warned him and said, you shouldn't do that, that's not lawful. God does not like that. And so the wife didn't like that because she was going to marry the king. So she persuades uh, the king to have John the Baptist put in prison. So John the Baptist is put in prison at this stage, right, in the story. Now, the king, Herod, has a birthday, has a birthday party. What's the girl's name again, Steve? Herodias' daughter dances at this party before the king. The king is so moved by this dance and so impacted, he says to his now new daughter, stepdaughter, I guess, I'll give you whatever you want. That was amazing. He says in front of the crowd, I'll give you anything you want, anything you ask for as a result of that beautiful dance. She's persuaded by her mother to ask for the head of John the Baptist, who's already in, locked up in prison. In front of the whole crowd, the king had nowhere to turn but to say, well, let it be done. And he calls for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Men go to the prison, get John, behead him, bring the head in, there you go, all over and done with. All because John really just brought a word of truth. I mean, we think we're persecuted, don't we? That like, all it was was bringing a correction, a word of truth that was blatantly against what God was desiring for us. He's locked up and then beheaded. And the end of this passage, verse uh, chapter 14, verse 12 says, Later, John's disciples came looking for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. So Jesus is about to be told what's happened to John the Baptist. Now, let's not forget who John the Baptist is in relation to Jesus. John the Baptist, Mother Mary, cousins with, uh, sorry, Jesus' Mother Mary, cousins with John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. So close were they that Elizabeth was the first one that Mary ran to tell that she was pregnant 
And John the Baptist, who was inside, her tummy leaped for joy. Remember these stories? So the, the, the mothers are cousins. So I guess that makes you second cousins. Same age. They would have grown up together. They had the same ministry. John was preaching repentance and Jesus was to follow. John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the river. Like so close they would have been. And John the Baptist's disciples go and tell Jesus he's just been beheaded. Man, how does Jesus react? Let's look at this. Verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Who knows, that's a smart thing. He had to retreat, didn't he? He had to, like, I don't know what was going through his head. Maybe he was angry at the Father, for John the Baptist was just delivering the message of the Father, and, and he's got his head cut off as a result. I don't know what was going through Jesus' head, his emotions when he first heard this, but he had to retreat straight away. He had to retreat, but the crowds heard where he was, uh, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So he hasn't got his alone time yet. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now we read this time and time again, compassion healed this. But think of the moment. He hasn't had a second to digest this yet and to process this tragedy. Yet he sees a crowd, feels compassion, heals all of their sick. Now the story goes on. This is the very crowd that hangs around for so long that he feeds them. And the Bible refers to them as being 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're assuming possibly 20,000 people. And it says that Jesus healed them all. Like how long would an altar call for 20,000 people take with one person praying for them? Like all day, like Jesus has just heard the news that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And he's gotten this 20,000 person altar call, feeling compassion for them and healing their sickness and diseases. What an amazing God. He's not like us, is he? Like this God is amazing. Let's not ever think that we're in the same category and we can relate to him. Like, how could he do that? He says, go and feed them. Verse 18, uh, they said, we don't have any food. He said, bring them here. He said, bring me the food you've got. Verse 19, he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into the pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover food. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to women and children. Verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into a boat, cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. He finally got his alone time. 
He knew that he needed to have some alone time. He needed to digest this. Now, this is a long illustration, but this is where I get to my point. We would all assume that's fine. A tragedy happens. We need to back up. That's a healthy thing to do. Process thing. We need to do that. Maybe you've done that in 2017. Maybe tragedy struck your world and you've had this sense where you need to just back up a bit and just get your bearings together. That's good. That's healthy. Even the Savior did that. But I'm amazed at the ability of Jesus to be able to put that on hold for a second and still minister. How does he do that? I'm suggesting this morning that his heart was full and he could go a bit longer and do his father's duty. If his heart was empty like we sometimes live where we've only just got enough to get by, that when tragedy comes, something interferes in our life, something happens, we got nothing left at all. And we have to step back. Sometimes we have a breakdown. Sometimes we just, we just cannot handle what's going on in our life. And sometimes it's even just a small little thing pushes us over the edge, isn't it? And I wanted to highlight the fact that this morning that I believe that is a result of having a heart that is not brimming up and overflowing. You can healthily step back and look after yourself like I intend to do for myself this year. Put some things in place to look after the treasury of my heart. But I think Jesus just shows us so clearly what a full heart looks like, that he has got enough in him, enough resource in him to still in the midst of life and life's tragedies still have something to offer. I want to encourage us all this morning to let our heart not just be protected because it's fragile and if, if we get hurt, we're right on that edge and we've got nothing left to give and we're going to have a breakdown. Let's not live with that guarding your heart. Let's live with the thought of guarding your heart because it is a reservoir meant to be filled by God, meant to be overflowing with His joy and His goodness. Amen? That's what I, I would love all of our 2018 to be because even though you'd get up at the first week of the year and say it's going to be an awesome year, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of us in the room in this morning. There's going to be some shocking years this year. You know? I want to motivate you to, it's going to be a great year, but reality is with these statistics, there's going to be some hard years here in front of us. We can't change that. But we can focus on prioritizing our heart, focus on our relationship with Jesus, focus on the infilling of his love into our heart. We cannot push ourselves to the max this year and have no room for that little bit more. We cannot live at that stage anymore. The world does it way too much. You know, we're at cracking point all the time. But we should look after our lives, look after our heart, invest well into our lives. That's the wisdom of Solomon for us this morning. You receive that? So your life may be full at the same time as your heart not being, as your heart being empty. And that's the thought that I wanted to bring out to you this morning. Don't get confused with a full life 
and a full heart. They are different things. Let's allow the Lord to pour into our life. Amen. Amen. Phil, Jordan, if you wouldn't mind coming. We're just going to have a couple of moments here. We're going to finish in, I promise, three minutes. We're going to enjoy the day, hot day. Get a cuppa outside if you want. I don't know how you drink hot drinks on a hot day, but yeah. We're going to take off in a moment. But we just need to just give God some space because it would be wrong of us to come to church to sit and just to fill our ears and our heart not to be filled, to give God some space to pour in to the deep part of our life and not just the surface part of our life. Amen? Why don't you stay seated? These guys are going to play. Close your eyes. He loves your heart. He died for your heart. He treasures your heart. He wants to come and live in your heart that's that deepest part of your life he doesn't want to live in your mind he wants to live in your deepest part of your life because he knows like Solomon brought us this if we get this right this is the most important thing above all else guard your heart it's his residing place in your life Give him space and give him room. Let him fill you. I guarantee if you've looked and looked for the right answer to fix problems in your world, emotional problems, stresses and worries, often you come to the conclusion which you just can't find the answer. The answer this morning is to let him penetrate your deepest part of your being. We refer to that this morning as your heart. Invite him in. Welcome him in. Come on right now, just in your own way. Invite him in. Welcome him in. It's 2018, the year of your heart being full, overflowing with God, with his love for you, with his joy that surpasses all understanding, his peace. He wants to fill your world. Holy Spirit, come now, I pray right now, to every open heart. Pour yourself in. Pour yourself in. Bring the fruit, Holy Spirit, that fills our innermost being. Love, joy, peace. Soundness. Lord, fill us with your goodness. The goodness of the kingdom. amazing sometimes that we think our life is so full. Yeah, we have a moment like this and realize even though our life may be full, our heart has been empty. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Fullness of life. Overflowing. Overflowing. Where you're bursting at the seams. The people in your world, maybe you've given and given and given. 
you haven't looked after yourself. Jesus understood he needed to be full to be able to give. Don't underestimate the fact that you need filling this year. Allow him to fill your life this year. And you watch what he does through you with a full heart. Lord, I pray your blessing on every single person here today. Thank you for this week, this weekend. We pray as we head into this coming week, Monday, many of us going back to work, going back to studies. I'm not sure, but Lord, we pray that you would be with us, filling us every step of the journey as we walk with you hand in hand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great day. I've loved being here with you the first Sunday of the year. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless. If you're not from here, take the blessing of God back to wherever you're from. Bless some people, but go with a full heart. Focus on that this year. Amen. We'll see you next week.